0: The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracetysd.com. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. All right, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word and how it makes our path straight. Lord, I just pray that you would make your wisdom known to us today, that you would speak through Randall and that we would be attentive to your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning, church family. Today, we are gonna continue in our series, The Wisdom from Proverbs. Today, our text is from Proverbs 4, 20 through 27. And our message for this morning is, the path to living wisely. Now, this summer, our church has been focusing on and studying the book of Proverbs. And over the past few weeks, we've discussed uh, what it means to, to live wisely. So what does that look like? Well, living wisely is about becoming the type of person that makes good, godly decisions when things aren't clear. It's the ability to navigate moments in life where important choices call for discernment, discipline, or discretion. But I want us to know this today, that living wisely is not just about making good moral decisions but it's about the internal character that God is developing inside of us. You see, God's wisdom is desperately needed in our lives because it will either make us or break us. Now, according to the book of Proverbs and and throughout scripture, living wisely does not come easy and it's not a quick fix for all our problems, but rather it is a daily dying to self as we trust God and follow His path for life. See, it's being transformed from the inside out. And again, this is not easy. Eugene Peterson once said, There's a great market for religious experience in our world. There's little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue, little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship, and what early generations of Christians called holiness. As has been said before, the life of wisdom is a long obedience in the same direction. So let's ask, what happens if God's wisdom doesn't take root in our lives? In his book, Finishing Strong, Steve Farrar compared three preachers that gained great notoriety throughout the U.S. in 1945. All drew huge crowds of people to hear them preach. Now, these preachers were Chuck Templeton, Bron Clifford, and Billy Graham. And Farrar writes, you've heard of Billy Graham, but what about Chuck Templeton or Bron Clifford? And so first, Farrar looked at the life of Chuck Templeton. And here's what he says. He says, One seminary president, after hearing Templeton preach one evening to an audience of thousands, called on the most gifted and talented young man in America today for preaching. In 1946, the National Association of Evangelicals published an article on men who were best used of God, and the article highlighted the ministry of Chuck Templeton. But just five years later, Templeton left the ministry to pursue a career in radio, television, and journalism. Templeton had decided he was no longer a believer in the orthodox sense of the term. By 1950, he no longer believed in the validity of the claims of Jesus Christ. What about Ron Clifford? Well, at the age of 25, it was said Clifford touched more lives, influenced more leaders and set more attendance records than any other clergyman his age in American history. National leaders vied for his attention. He was tall, handsome, intelligent and eloquent. Hollywood invited him to audition for movie roles. It seemed as if he had everything. By 19 54, Clifford had lost his family, his ministry, his health, and then his life. Alcohol and financial irresponsibility had done him in. He wound up leaving his wife with her two Down syndrome children. At at just 35 years of age, this once great preacher died from cirrhosis of the liver in a rundown motel in the edge of Amarillo. His last job was selling used cars in the panhandle of Texas. Some pastors in Amarillo took up a collection among themselves in order to purchase a casket so that his body could be shipped back east for a decent burial in a cemetery for the poor. Now, Farrar ends with this. He says, in 1945, three young men with extraordinary gifts were preaching the gospel to multiply thousands across this nation. Within 10 years, only one of them was still on track for Christ. You see, today we live in a generation that values outward appearance and giftedness more than character and integrity. And Proverbs calls that foolishness. See, God's path is different. He does not look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart as it says in 1 Samuel 16, 7. See Proverbs 4:18 through 19. But before the scripture that we're going to read today says this that there are two paths. There's light and there's darkness. Here's what it says. This says, but the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. As we talked about before, wisdom Is the light of God coming into our life, the truth of God coming into our life, so that we actually see reality as it is? But the way of the fool, the way of the simple minded, says that the heart becomes darker and more twisted and more self absorbed. And actually, reality is distorted. Light and darkness. C.S. Lewis talks about this when he says this. He says, It is a serious thing to remember that the dullest, most uninteresting person you can talk to may be a creature which, if you saw it now, you could be strongly tempted to worship. And so what he's talking about here is is the idea that on the outside, the outside appearance, God looks at the heart. And if you were to see the heart of some people that, that you would have pushed aside their outward appearance and looked at what they really are, what God is doing in their life, the type of person they're becoming, and say, wow, that's amazing. But he goes on to say this about the person who is darker and darker and deeper in darkness. He says, or else a horror and a corruption, such as you meet or now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. All day long we are in some degree helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. See, some of us right now, we are on this path of becoming more and more filled with light. For others of us, we are just on this path. We're being filled more and more with this deep darkness, as it says in Proverbs 4.19. And no giftedness on the outside, no abilities, no talents can take us in that direction. We need God. To help us. And so today, our text is from Proverbs 4 20 through 27. And the question is, how do we walk on God's path for life? So there are three things that we must understand as we look at today's text. It's number one, understanding the warning, number two, the heart, and number three, the test. The warning, the heart, and the test. And so, first, let's look at the warning that we see in verses 20 through 22. Says, my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. And so, first, do you see Solomon's warning? He says it very strongly here. He says, be attentive, incline your ear, let them not escape. Keep them within your heart. He's been saying it, Proverbs 1, 2, 3, 4. He's just, there's these warnings, right? That he's giving us. Saying, hold tightly onto God. See, what is Solomon warning us about? Well, he's admonishing us again that God's word can become distant and that our hearts can grow cold towards God if we are not diligent in pursuing Him. You see, how does this happen? Well, Hebrews 3, 12 through 13 says this, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You see, there is a deceitfulness to sin that wants to drag you away into the darkness, that wants to point your feet towards evil instead of goodness. And there's a reality that that's something that we all face. Pastor and author John Bunyan, uh, who, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, had this inscribed in the front of his Bible said, sin will keep you from this book or this book will keep you from sin. And what Solomon is saying is this, that we need to stay close to God's word. We need the light of God's word to come into our lives. You see, why is Solomon so adamant to warn us about this? Well, Solomon understands firsthand how sin can destroy our lives. You see, he got a front row seat to it in the life of his father, David. You see, King David was a man after God's heart, but he had also committed adultery with Bathsheba, 2 Samuel 11. He murdered her husband, Uriah, and then attempted to cover it up. You see, for Solomon, I'm sure that that story of David's sin had been told to him again and again, and he'd been warned about how deceptive sin is. You see, Solomon understood the darkness of sin and how susceptible we are to it. In the fall of 1986, one of the most popular Christian authors and adjunct professors at Talbot School of Theology, Gordon MacDonald, confessed to a moral failure. A couple years later, he wrote a book called Rebuilding Your Broken World. And here are a few insights he shared. The first one is this, we're all vulnerable. See, we are not above sin. He says we need to confront a couple lies that we tell ourselves. Number one, it can never happen to me. Number two, if it does, then I can handle the results. See, we need to realize that we are vulnerable to sin, darkness, brokenness, and the potential damage is greater than we can imagine. Another insight that he shared is this, we're especially vulnerable when we think we aren't. See, pride convinces us to leave ourselves unguarded and it puts us in severe danger. The last one is, he says, secrets lead to death. Repentance and confession lead to life. Cover up, self-deception, those things keep us in bondage until we are ready to name the sin and move towards repentance and healing. Solomon is first warning us about the power of sin and about how susceptible we are to it and vulnerable we are to it, and how closely we need to keep God's word in our hearts. Second, we must understand the heart. Verse 23 says this Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Now, biblically, what is the heart? Daniel and Jonathan Aiken uh, say this. They say the heart is the source of the river of your life. It's the command center. Everything you do flows from your heart. The way you think, talk and act flows from your heart. The heart is the agent governing all your body's actions. And here's what the Bible tells us about the natural disposition of the human heart. Jeremiah 17, nine says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick, who can understand it? You see, that is our natural disposition is toward darkness. And so here's the truth. My command center, my heart needs a new commander. It needs a new commander. See, we live in a world right now that tells you, follow your heart, follow what you desire, follow what you want. You can create Yourself. But the Bible tells us differently. In his 2015 article, Don't Follow Your Heart, John Bloom writes The truth is, no one lies to us more than our own hearts. No one. If our hearts are compasses, they are Jack Sparrow compasses. They don't tell us the truth, they just tell us what we want. If our hearts are guides, they are not benevolent, they are pathologically selfish. In fact, if we do what our hearts tell us to do, we will pervert and impoverish every desire, every beauty, every person, every wonder, every joy. Our hearts want to consume these things for our self-glory and self-indulgence. No, our hearts will not save us. We need to be saved from our hearts. Jesus is your shepherd, Listen to his voice in his word and follow him. He is the truth, he is the way, and he will lead you to life. See, in our hearts, I need God to intervene, I I need God to transform me. I I need to be born again through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, living wisely is understanding how naturally deceptive my heart is and how I need God to save me from myself. I need God to give me a new heart. And so lastly, the test. Verses 24 through 27 say, put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Finally, what's the test that we see in these verses? Well, it is the test of the heart. Do we have a new heart? Has God changed us from the inside? See, this this is a work that you can't do or I can't do. This is a work that only God can do. And so have we come to Him and do we have a new heart? Well, first, Solomon challenges us to test our words. To test our words. Look at verse 24. He says, Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Now, What does this crooked, devious talk look like? Again, Daniel and Jonathan Aiken flesh this out. They say, if you use your speech to hurt others, deceive others, gossip about others, and falsely flatter others, then it's the overflow of a sinful heart. Again, Jesus told us this clearly in Matthew 12, 34. The mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. Jesus says that our words will justify or condemn us on judgment day. That's not because of good works or good speech in this case. Get us into heaven. It is because your speech reveals whether or not Jesus has changed your heart. And so what are the words that come from us? Are they good? Are they filled with light? Are they filled with scripture? Or are they filled with darkness? This is a test. Secondly, Solomon writes in verses 26 through 27 to test your actions. Verse 26, Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Verse 27, Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. See, what he's talking about here, again, is your actions, your ways. Do not swerve. Turn your foot away from evil. See, both your words and actions will eventually reveal your heart. And so let me ask: how's your heart right now? How's your heart? Because verse 26 encourages us to ponder. Says to ponder, to weigh your actions and your words. Psalm 119 36 says, turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. It's asking God, saying, God, you you have to be the one who turns my heart toward your ways. I can't do it. Lord, I need you. So that's the test. Are we fighting and striving on our own strength? Are we coming to the Lord asking God, I need you to come in and change me from the inside out. So just some takeaways today. How can I live wisely? Well, first it's by believing that my time with God matters. Barna Research just put out a study that said that 50% of millennials, 35% of Gen X, and 26% of boomers are not attending online church. This was just through April through May. I think it's probably gotten even higher percentages since then. And what that tells us is this, that we don't really put a high priority on our relationship with God. We don't really put a high priority on placing God first. See, see, Are we engaging not only with an online service, but with God's Word personally? That's just an indicator. But we're talking about on a daily basis because as disciples of Jesus, what we're calling you to is not to come watch a service. What we're calling you to is a relationship with the living God. See, but this is just an indicator. And so again, how far has our heart drifted from God? Because again, just like it said in Hebrews, there is a deceitfulness to sin and our hearts can be hardened if we're not willing to encourage each other every day. The late J.I. Packer says that we need the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. He said it is the floodlight ministry. He said the Spirit's message is always this, look at Jesus, see His glory, listen to Jesus. Hear his word, go to Jesus and have life. Get to know Jesus and taste his gift of joy and peace. Do you see the scriptures are continually pointing us back to Christ? See, my time with God matters because I need to be continually turned back to God and understand how important Jesus truly is. Secondly, is this, by believing that my behavior reveals my heart. Have you ever heard that phrase before? Well, that's not the real me. I know you experience this really bad part of me, but that's not the real me. And my question always is, well, then who was it? Who was it? If it wasn't you, then who was it? See, the, the, the reality is that we don't want to see those dark places in our hearts But a part of coming to the truth and coming into the light is confessing and saying, you know what? That actually was me. And as sad and as disappointing as that is, I need to confess. Because what that shows is that I need God. See, as we scroll through our social media feeds and we're seeing videos of people that are are really just letting other people have it, right? There's anger and there's rage and there's wrath just happening right there on our on our computer screen or or, or on our device and we just think to ourselves man how terrible is that and then people later get shown the video of themselves or they get called out by their employer and they say they don't have a job anymore and they're humbled by that experience And they're shocked. See, what are the things right now? As as the scriptures tell us, ponder, right? Like, ponder your words, ponder your actions, ponder the path of your feet. As you do that, as I do that, what are the things that are shocking to us? That we're coming to God and saying, God, please humble me, please forgive me, please, I need your grace. See, again, this is coming back to God and saying, My behavior, it actually reveals my heart. And Jesus told us that. Lastly, my sin is not bigger than God's grace. It's believing that my sin is not bigger than God's grace. Jerry Bridges once said this. He says, Our our worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace. See, we fall into two paths. And, and when you look at the, the end of the scripture, it says, do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. To the right or to the left are both evil. But it's staying on that third, third way, the, the, the middle path, the, the one that God says, this is the path you need to follow. What is the right and to the left? The right is just saying, you know what? Look at me, look at how great I am. I'm so good that I don't need God's grace. I'm so good that I don't need the cross. But that's evil. The other side is saying, you know what? I'm just so bad that no way that God could ever forgive me. I'm so low that God could never lift me up. And that's evil. See, what we need is that that third way. What we need is the gospel way. The gospel that says, you know what? You are loved by God. At great expense to the Son, God loves you, It cost him something. And he can take a hardened Pharisee or he can also take a person who feels like they're they're so far away and bring them on his path towards the gospel, towards Christ. See, that's what we need today is understanding that my sin is not bigger than God's grace. Now, how can I live that out It's because of this. It's not because we got our lives together, we fixed ourselves up and we made ourselves look nice. No, that's not what it is. Here's what it is. It is ultimately believing that Jesus walked the path for me. Jesus perfectly lived the the wise life that I couldn't have lived. He walked that path for me but he also paid for my foolishness. That was the cost. He paid for it. See, there, there's this path that if you go into old, the old city of Jerusalem is called the Via Dolorosa. And in Latin, it's the sorrowful way or translated the way of suffering. See, and this was the, the processional route believed to be the path that Jesus walked on his way to the cross. See, how do you and I find hope today? It's this. When we read John 19, 16 through 18, it says this So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Do you see it, Jesus between them? And what we see is that as Jesus is hanging on the cross, we see one that mocked Jesus. You could say that 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 was the dark path, that was the foolish path. But he mocked Jesus and he looked at Jesus and he rejected Jesus. But then we see another that, that humbly said, no, I deserve this punishment. But Jesus doesn't. Jesus, will you remember me as you go into paradise? And Jesus looked at him and says, today you'll be with me. You see, this is the the life of of light. Saying, you know, exposing my heart and saying, you know what, I, I don't deserve your grace, Jesus. I actually deserve the cross. I actually deserve the punishment. But then the light of Jesus comes into our life and our hearts. He says, today you'll be with me. And so as we look at this, where are you at? Have you trusted in Jesus? Have you placed your hope and your faith in Jesus? Because you can have it all together on the outside, just like those preachers that I talked about earlier. But deep in the heart, that's what Jesus looks at. Because as you find Christ, As you find him beautiful, as you find him on the cross, dying for your sins and accepting him and saying, Jesus, you walk this path for me, you love me, it'll melt your heart. And you're gonna need that every day. You're gonna need to remind yourself of that gospel every day, that good news every day. And he will help you and give you wisdom and discernment on what to do in your life. That is a life guided by God. So will you come to him today? and find the truth in Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, I I come to you just thanking you that you've given us your word. You've given us wisdom. You've given us your your son. As we look at Jesus, who is wisdom personified, I pray that that melts our hearts, Lord. That if any of us today are, are struggling, are feeling that, that very vulnerable, Lord, that that's the first step towards confession, confessing our weakness and saying that we need you. And so, Lord, I pray that today, if there's anyone that's listening, that they confess to you, God, that they need you, that we all confess that we need you, and that you come into our lives and change our hearts from the inside out. We can't change our hearts We can't live like this word tells us without the power of Christ in us. So I pray that your spirit empower us, Lord, to live wisely because of Jesus. I pray this all in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Gray City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.